Moving on up in recruiting. The Oklahoma Sooners land four-star cornerback Josiah Wagner out of Washington. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about NIL with the man. I called him the king of Tulsa on Twitter, Travis Davidson. We'll talk a lot about all kinds of things Oklahoma Sooners on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Sooner Nation, and welcome to Locked On Sooners. Thank you for joining us. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. You can also read my work covering the Oklahoma Sooners over at the Sooners Wire. And joining me is Josh Helmer. You can hear him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on 94.7 The Ref and Norm. You can also follow him on Twitter at Josh on Ref. Josh, let's get into it. we got a great guest tonight. Yeah, you referred to our man Travis Davidson, who we welcome to the show as the King of Tulsa. The King of Tulsa, that might not be good enough. For Travis Davidson, he's like one of the kings of Sooner social media. We welcome Travis to the show, and uh, we're, we're thrilled to have Travis on the show with us. Now one of my colleagues over at the Ref Sports Radio Network as well. Travis, what's up, man? What did you think? Josiah Wagner, another Sooner commit. And uh, first of all, I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, the very kind words, uh, maybe undeserved, but hey, I'll take them, I'll take them where I can get them. Um, so... Uh, you know, it's it, it's just incredible to just stack blue chip defender on blue chip defender from all over the country. And I think that's something that's that's worth noting. It's not that, you know, that, you know, this staff came over from Clemson, from the southeast, from the coast and is just saying, hey, we're going to take players from where we were and and make the most of those relationships. And of course, those relationships are playing off. Uh, paying off in places like like Florida and Georgia and Alabama that we'll see moving forward. But they're willing to go up to the state of Washington. They're willing to go to New Jersey. They're willing to go to Pennsylvania. Um, they're willing to go to places that aren't known as pipelines. Um, and, uh, and, and that's what I really like about it is they're not resting on their just previous relationships and going, let's squeeze as much out of our former region, you know, if you will, our former regions, but let's let's start establishing other pipelines. We're in the center of the country now. I think that's what they're saying. Look, we're in the center of the country now. Let's find people that want to come play for Oklahoma. We are not bound to just our local area. Now, of course, a lot of people are saying, well, they need to recruit Oklahoma kids better. That's coming. That's coming. And you saw that by one of the first things they did whenever this staff got hired is they started hitting up those, those high school coaches, those small, small Schools. I mean, schools that hadn't seen an OU coach come through their hallways in a decade. Um, they're hitting up all those. So while they're establishing those local roots and trying to put a fence around the state of Oklahoma, uh, I think it's really important that they continue to spread the wings and uh, and go coast to coast, really. North, south, east, west, wherever you are, if you are talented, the Sooner staff will come and get you. And a lot of the, the fervor over where Oklahoma's recruiting class was in June – that's all dissipated. I mean, you look at 247 Sports now and the composite rankings, they're up to number seven. Where can this class end up? Like, they're continuing to, to add on this talent. You mentioned the blue chip prospects. They're in really good standing right now with the guy, Derek LeBlanc, who's going to commit sometime this week. Where does it end for Oklahoma? Can they potentially get themselves into the top five? 
Oh, of course. I, I think this class finishes in the top five. I'm, I'm decently confident with that. Uh, some of the things you have to remember are, you know, we've seen this in the past and I think we were, uh, you know, we were biased. Of course, we will always be biased for OU. So when Lincoln Riley signed a small class um, that still finished decently high, but it was a very small class, we were all touting the average recruiting ranking, all the, all the average commit ranking is so high. But one of the reasons that class wasn't very high was because of the number of kids in it. Now you look at this class and I think I fully expect this class to get up to where the 27, 28 player range. I think they really look to fill it out big time. And that's where you start to see you rise up those rankings um, specifically on, on the, what everybody sees as the composite rankings. I mean, somebody with, you know, 15, you know, three stars run ranked players is going to be higher ranked than somebody with, you know, four or five stars or something like that. Like there's, there's a certain balance to it. So as long as we keep that blue chip ratio, right. Where, I mean, we're, we, we got the fourth highest blue chip ratio in the country right now, I believe it's 71%. Uh, as long as we can stay in that 70 and up range, then we're going to be competing for titles. I think the highest class that Clemson had, I think they had two top 10 classes and no top five classes when they won their two national titles of the, 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 the roster makeup that made up those two national title teams. Um, so I, I think we're seeing more and more the emphasis on culture and development. And we have no proof that, especially in the NIL world, we have no proof that kids signing for a million dollars a piece to go down to A&M is going to win anything. Um, you know, it, it, it's very important to this staff that, and we've, we've heard this from recruits, it's very important to the staff to develop the person uh, as well as the player. And when you, when you have kids that, you know, call and say, Hey, how much money am I going to get? Do you really think that that guy, that guy could be super talented. Do you really think that guy is going to be the person that Brett Venables wants on this team? I don't think so. And it, and it's, that's, that's, that's clearly what's happening to, I mean, you, you look at Texas there was Jonte cook grew up wanting to be a sooner. And when he posted his commitment, he talked about it being his dream offer, his childhood dream. And, uh, and, you know, he had some things go down in high school, um, went to another school to fight a kid, um, like all this, like, and he just, now he's at Texas and, you know, he wants to, he wanted to say, Oh man, that's ridiculous. Like where are your receipts? Like, I never wanted to be a Sooner, but then he deleted that tweet because we came with so many receipts. It's like, well, here you are in OU gloves. Here's a here's an article of you saying, yeah, OU is my favorite school, all that. So I think on a recruiting front, I think what's important is the the culture that's that's that that is being the main focus, and I think that's resonating with a lot of top talent. I mean, you look at a guy like Jackson Arnold a lot of five-star quarterbacks are getting obscene amounts of money right now. Jackson Arnold, when he's interviewed, he's like, I wanted to, I wanted to go somewhere and win. I like Jeff Levy. I like the offense. You know, I like what Venables is doing all that. Is, I mean, when you start dealing with players like that, that fall in love with a culture, a program, coaching staff, everything like that, you can, you can forecast their success a lot easier than, Oh, I went to this school because they paid me the most because even in a recruiting like in in a recruiting battle, if you know a kid's going to go to the highest bidder, then then I mean, what does that say about your school? What do you, why do you have to pay somebody five million dollars to come play for your school? Kyler Murray just signed a two hundred and thirty point five million dollar deal. I mean, I'd I'd rather take that money, to be honest. It's a good point. 
And I, I want to get just some of your general thoughts on Brent Venables, the really, I guess, now eight months of Venables on the job, sort of your collective thoughts of Venables. But while we're on the subject of recruiting with Brent Venables and this staff, not to keep bringing everything back to Lincoln Riley and the previous staff, but Lincoln Riley did sort of make some pointed remarks where he didn't out and out say, hey, I couldn't recruit the same way at Oklahoma that I'm going to be able to recruit in Los Angeles at USC. But Lincoln Riley basically said, yeah, I can't recruit the same way at Oklahoma that I'm going to be able to recruit at USC in this era of uh, of name image and likeness where maybe glitz and glamour is more appealing than ever before for certain programs with all of that in mind and Lincoln Riley's comments and what Brent Venables and this staff is doing right now with the number eight overall class and signs that it's going to continue on the rise. What type of statement is Brent Venables and this staff making in opposition to maybe what Lincoln Riley had put out there about Oklahoma? Yeah, I think not only Lincoln, but really, I mean, the national media as a whole, um, even even you know local media there. There's everybody just thought, oh well, if you can recruit California, why wouldn't you? I mean, yeah, of course he's going to have better classes and all that. Like, we have as many West Coast blue chips as USC does right now in their recruiting class. Like, it's it. He's not locking down the state by any means. I mean, all kinds of people are going in there and getting talent. That's the thing about California. You can't lock it down. I mean, it's there's too many kids out there. But you know what there's a lot of out there? Quarterbacks. You know what there's a lot of? Wide receivers. So when Lincoln talks about creating a roster from West Coast kids, I think we all have pretty clear, pretty clear picture of what a Lincoln Riley roster looks like in his mind. It's one quarterback and 10 wide receivers or eight wide receivers and two running backs. And he almost forgets that there are offensive linemen involved with defensive linemen involved, a defense in general, because California has a lot of finesse football players. They don't, they don't grow them out there like they grow them in the South. Let's be honest. So when it comes to getting those big defensive tackles, you know, that if you can pretty much, if you can get to the quarterback, it changes everything. It helps it helps your defensive backs. It helps your backers. It helps your offense. It, it helps everything. So that's where I think they're going to struggle mightily. But to your point, kind of comparing the two, Brad Venables is showing OU, again, he, they don't have to bow down to anybody. I mean, they are a blue blood. They are a top three program all time. I like to think that Alabama's number one and then Ohio State and Oklahoma kind of jockey for two and three, depending on who you ask. So your top three program all time, you can recruit from anywhere to Oklahoma. There's no doubt about that. Uh, we touched on the regional uh, style of recruiting that they're doing, but, and the national style of recruiting that they're doing. But yeah, it's, it's, I think when he said that, I think everybody just thought, oh man, this is going to age so poorly, so poorly, because of course it was, it was not Oklahoma recruiting that was holding Oklahoma back. It was his coaching. It was his style. There's a very linear, very direct linear, uh, you know, line, if you will, of the end results. First year as a head coach, overtime classic against Georgia, down to the wire. Next year, you lose to 11, you know, after getting blown out early against Bama. Next year, 
you get embarrassed by LSU. The next year, you win the Big 12 championship, but you miss the playoff. The next year, you miss the Big 12 championship entirely. So with it's not a it's not a roller coaster of a career that he had as a head coach. It was a it was a completely descending line uh, when you look at the end results. And we went into this last year. You know, everybody said, well, this is on paper. This is the most talented team that Lincoln Riley has ever had at Oklahoma. This might be the year to get it done. And what did he do? Didn't even make the Big 12 championship. Um, So when it comes to that, I think he's become extremely easy to recruit against. Uh, I think that Dan Lanning is taking his lunch money right now on the recruiting trail with certain prospects because – the narrative for Lincoln Riley early was, oh, he was scared of the SEC. That's why he left. Scared of the SEC. Can't compete with the SEC teams. That's why he left. Well, what does Dan Lanning go, go out and say? Oregon's the SEC team of the West. We are the, we are the Pac-12's SEC team. I came from the SEC. I just won a national title in the SEC. So I know the, the guy puts the, put the letters SEC in his answer in a press conference. I mean – a hundred times to remind everybody nationally and especially his recruits. Hey, this guy was scared to play in the sec. I just won a national title there. So, and he called Oregon the West coast's sec team. So what do we see out of LA? We see an article. Oh, Lincoln Riley addresses his departure in the players tribune. You know, we, we see Austin Stogner and Spencer Radler saying, Oh, uh, you know, we've been developed so well here. You know, we kind of knew something was up that last week going into Bedlam, you know, it wasn't quite right. What do we see the next? Boom. Article about Lincoln Riley. Even the little things. They, they lose out on Brandon Ennis, who was committed to him at Oklahoma, who I saw out at OT7. He committed to Ohio State. What do we see? Boom. An article about Malachi Nelson's uh, NIL deals. And then – Lastly, we jumped them in the recruiting rankings. And what do you see? Peace on Carl Williams' comments about how Lincoln Riley, you know, all this like. There is no new information in any of these articles. No new information. But yet they're being dropped every time something doesn't go USC's way. I mean, why not drop all these articles early? I mean, it's, it's, it's all part of the, the L.A. spin. And uh, it's... It's uh, it's the it's that top that's been spinning and that's losing speed, so it's about to fall over. Yeah, it's been kind of fun to watch the the progression of articles that's come out by the national media because it's it's exactly like you said. It's you know something positive for Oklahoma or even negative against USC, and all of a sudden Lincoln Riley's doing a sit down with CBS Sports or with ESPN. And I I've been talking with you know people that I work with, and uh, I, I've been telling them like. Where was all this attention for Lincoln Riley when he was at Oklahoma? It was, I mean, yes, they got attention because they won, but the, people weren't going out of their way to get Lincoln Riley, you know, sit downs, or he wasn't going out of the, his way to give people sit down interviews. But he's mm-hmm. having to try and market USC basically, and and to me that that's a problem. If USC can't market itself, and you're having to go, you know, on a semi weekly basis or bi weekly basis and have a sit down with a national publication, I think it says a lot about where you're at as a program to start. But we're going to turn the page and we're going to talk about Brent Venables. We're eight months into the Brent Venables era. We're 
less than five weeks away from the start of the college football season. So a lot to look forward to on that mm. front. But first, I got to talk to you about Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs, find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information. From live in-game betting scores and podcasts, they've got you covered. So head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. Bet Online is where the game starts. And we're here with Travis Davidson at Travis Skull, the king of Twitter spaces as well. And uh, I, I had a blast um, last winter in all those spaces that you hosted, just kind of eavesdropping in uh, a lot with Parker as well. And man, it's been a long eight months since the coaching change has transpired. So kind of like off the top, like what's one of your biggest takeaways so far in the first eight months of the Brent Venables era? Um, I would say um, my biggest takeaway is the buy-in um, in a literal sense uh, from donors. Um but in an emotional sense from the fan base and from the players and everything like that, I think it has been a long time since the entire fan base, again, from boosters on down, has been on the same page like this. And I think, I think we saw it earlier. I think part of the reason that, that the spaces were so uh, well attended, I'll say, um, is because it was kind of the it was the reset button and none of us kind of knew what was happening right the, the thing was you know people expect you know us three to be in the know right that's what we that's what we do right but you know the the average fan that maybe doesn't keep up a ton with recruiting or or or, or doesn't you know keep up with depth chart stuff or or whatever like they would they were going to work and you know on that monday uh, following the Sunday announcement and all their, all their coworkers that just know them as the OU guy. Hey, what happened? What's going on with Lincoln Riley? Why did he leave? Who are you getting next? Uh, all this kind of stuff. And it, you know, it, it, it sucks to not know, right. It sucks to be known as Oh, I'm the OU guy, but I, I, I don't know. And, and you know, you're around the water cooler looking like a fool. So uh, that's why I thought it was so important for everybody to get on the same page and to calm everybody down. I mean, it was more grief counseling than anything because we had just got dumped and it never, it never occurred to us that any coach, we were the ones that do the dumping, right? Like you we're, we're the, we're the supermodels in this relationship. We, you don't, you don't dump the supermodel. Right. So uh, I think, I think it just shocked a lot of people. And I think it just, it agitated them in a good way. Right. It kind of, it kind of shook them up and said, okay, cool. It's, it's, it's time to, you know, think about the program, do kind of a deep dive, uh, you know, open it up and say, all right, what, what's wrong with the program? What was wrong with the program? Why would somebody leave it? Um, and then, you know, what are we going to do next? So, uh, yeah, it's, it's wild that, like, it feels like we've surely had, like, two or three seasons since then because it's been just such – and I don't know if it's because I'm, I'm, you know, I talk about it for hours weekly now or anything like that, that it's, that it's gone slower than most, than most off-seasons – um, but I mean, that feels like years ago we were doing those spaces, uh, but it, it was a lot of fun and I, I couldn't be more, uh, grateful for, for again, guys like Parker and Brandon and Sam Mays and heck, Kenneth Murray and Zach Heffel, all these guys that jumped on with us. Um, cause everybody was just, they were just looking for answers. I mean, I, I talked to guys that, you know, hadn't slept in their own bed 
for nights on end because their wife kicked them out of the bed because they were up all night listening to the space. Um, <laughs> you know, sleeping in their guest rooms just to try and get caught up on OU sports. And I think that really showed just how bought in the fan base was to whatever happens next, it, it working well and paying more attention to that um, because you couldn't really be a casual fan there for, for at least a couple weeks because nobody, nobody knew where to get information. And then we had people, had people message me like, Hey man, I, I never had a Twitter account, but I downloaded this so I could get the scoop on that, this, that, and the other. And, and it was, it was really cool. So uh, I think Venables, the more and more we, we hear from him, we hear from the players and all that. I mean, it was, the obvious choice. It should have taken 30 minutes to name the next head coach. Obviously, he, he wanted some assurances, which we are now seeing uh, now that we've set the record uh, for most funds raised ever uh, for the University of Oklahoma, um, which there's no it, – it, it's not a coincidence. We, we know why. Because Thad Turnip Seed's out there. You know, Venables is out there at every – you know, at, at every, whether it's the coach's caravan or media, you know, they say, Hey, you know what, we got big things. We need to, we need to be better. And I think with his mentality of, Hey, look, we need, we need to be better. It's not good enough. We're, we need to go from good to great. We've been good. We need to be great. Why don't we have the absolute best facilities? Why don't we have the absolute best recovery for our players? Why do we not have the absolute best strength and conditioning? Why don't we have, it's all, it has to be the absolute best in order for that product to be the best on the field. And it's just been so wildly refreshing because again, none of us now we can all point to, Oh, you know, Benny Wiley and the kettlebells. We can point to oh Lincoln Riley and, you know, the accountability issues and all that, but you have the shades on, you have the crimson shades on, you know, you, you want to be supportive of your team and you want to, you wanted to say, oh, Lincoln's the best thing since, you know, sliced bread and all this kind of stuff. But it's it I think it woke up a lot of fans and 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 I think we woke up on the right side of the bed. I'll put it that way. So the you talked a little bit about this. And if, if you don't mind, John, ask a couple of questions to Travis here in a row. Just since you mentioned the OU rumors and news space, it turned into a sensation throughout that time period. And you had to love just that feedback you got from the fan base. And now it's, you know, parlayed into a situation to where you, you get to work with Tyler McComas and Parker Thune on the radio side, and you've got the podcast too. It just feels like a natural transition here. Tell folks where they can get more Travis Davidson for those. I mean, a lot of folks are aware of where they can hear you and follow you, but for those that, that aren't share that with everybody here real quick right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's been a wild, uh, been a wild eight months for for me specifically. Not only did I have the other change, you know, selling a couple of my restaurants and pivoting to to audience rent, but specifically just you know the the Twitter spaces turning into radio, and we had already been podcasting before that. Me, me, and uh, Jalen Posey, uh, Indy Sooner, um, but yeah. So every Wednesday night uh, at nine p.m. Uh, we have the JP and Trav show. Uh, we do that as a live stream. Uh, and the link is uh, you can either do Indy Sooner on YouTube or uh, you can do it just his it's his uh, link is in the bio on Indy Sooner's uh, Twitter. So uh, check that out. We do we do live shows uh, every Wednesday. Uh, we usually have on a guest. Uh, 
Um, we don't we'll always do, but like last week we had uh, Gino Grissom, uh, which was awesome. Super Bowl champion uh, Gino Grissom. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Try and bring some different perspectives in. Uh, but really, we let the we let the comments drive the show, much like the text line, uh, you know, on on the ref. It's you know, people will tell you when they they, they don't really care what you're talking about and they want you to move on to something else. So uh, uh, it's kind of it's kind of nice to have that engagement. People really feel a part of the show because they are um, they are part of the show. So we've had a lot of fun with it. We're extremely casual. I'm usually eating. I'm always eating something. Um, that's one thing restaurants have done to me. I, my, I don't have traditional eating hours uh, because I've always been serving people during traditional you know, meal times. So I'm always a couple hours later than normal. But yeah, Wednesday nights, 9 p.m. Uh, we always tweet that out. That's the JP and Trav show on YouTube. Um, and then Fridays, 3 to 6 uh, on The Ref. I'm on with Tyler McComas. Uh, we do uh, the, the Friday rush together. I'm always, outside of this coming week, uh, uh, always at Ash Cigar Bar in Tulsa. And I go to Ufala uh, this Friday to broadcast from uh, Lake Ufala because they got a big fishing tournament coming up. So, um, yeah, really enjoying the radio side, but it, it's definitely taking some getting used to. There's no doubt about it. Um, you know, from the Twitter spaces, I had ultimate control. There were no commercial breaks. There were no, you know, ad reads. There were no, I didn't have to remember what sponsors sponsored what or anything like that. I didn't have to know that, you know, the air comfort solutions uh, text line or anything like that. It was just, hey, if somebody wants to talk, somebody talks. Uh, so it's taking some getting used to it. I think Tyler and I are really finding our groove there, uh, which has been really exciting. I was talking with Brian, uh, our boss, the other day uh, about the schedule. Once Teddy comes back to his Fridays, I believe they're going to be moving me to Wednesdays and I'll be doing two to six Wednesdays and have some really exciting uh, news about the uh, about the remotes there. But we'll I'll, I'll keep that on the tuck for now. I love it. I love it. And I think you've been a natural, man. I mean, sure, you gotta you gotta learn a little bit how to do this or that, but man, you've got the the backbone of it, which is a love for Sooner Athletics. Okay, I before we end tonight, I want to get some of your thoughts on a quote that Brent Venable shared at the coaches' luncheon about what success or failure would look like in 2022. And then just some of your individual thoughts on some players for Oklahoma for 2022. First, though, let me tell you about somebody that we love right here on Locked On Sooners, and that is Home Field Apparel. They've got 15 different uh, pieces of Sooner apparel. Oh, there we go. John is repping the Sooner Schooner as we speak. Thank you for that, John. 15 different pieces of apparel in the collection, T-shirts, hoodies, crewnecks, all of your vintage retro marks, and oh, by the way, new customers, they get 15% off their first purchase from Home Field apparel with our code locked on Sooners at checkout. That's our code locked on Sooners at checkout, homefieldapparel.com. So, something, and there was a lot from the coaches' luncheon from Brent Venables that caught my attention, but one particular question that he got asked really jumped out to me. He was asked, Hey, what does success or failure look like in 2022, and how would you define a successful season? And Brent Venables' response was, If we get which this is coach speak. I get that. Bear with me, everyone. If we get better from season's beginning to season's end, then that will be successful. And if that doesn't happen, I'll have failed miserably. What is kind of your just general reaction to that, Travis? Again, coach speak. Um, I mean, you are, you are going to get better. I mean, 
here's the thing. Uh, you know, somebody asked on the text line the other day, and I was listening. I, it might have been during your guys' show. I'm not sure, but they were talking about uh, if they would have a if if the defense would end outside the top hundred. And I was like, that's impossible. I mean, with with seven with a with the fourth best blue chip ratio in the country, with coaches that have developed national champion players, first round picks, um, you know, record setting offenses, things like that. Like, I just don't. I don't see how it can't go well. And, you know, I've, I, I get labeled a sunshine pumper. I totally get it. Like I am a, I'm a positive guy. You know, I like to, I like to, you know, be positive. Things end up working out all right. Right. So I'm not much of a gloom and doom type of guy. Um, sometimes I err on the side of being blinded by the sunshine pumping. Totally get that. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with being positive all the time and every once in a while getting burnt as opposed to just assuming everything is, is going poorly. So um, I, uh, I, I, I think it's tough not to tie it to results, but he just, he just seems like a guy that just get better, but he seems more like a get better every day type guy. The season beginning to season end doesn't make a whole lot of, doesn't, doesn't, I don't believe him. I'll put it that way. I don't believe him. I don't believe he thinks that if we just get a little bit better, in these months long season that he's going to be happy because he said, I'll have failed miserably. That means there are degrees of failing. So if he gets worse, he's failed miserably. Where is the, I've somewhat failed. I think we've all taken those. Where is the, I've somewhat failed. Like where, where does he, where does he move that bar to success? Yeah. It's, I think that's a lot of coaches, right? You, you can't, macro view seasons if you're a head coach you got to look at the day-to-day obviously you have short and long-term goals that you want for your team but if you're going out there and saying our goal is to win the big 12 championship and you fall short of that then it's it's a massive failure and you got to tell your kids the, the kids that play for you like that was a failure of a season all the work that they put in wasn't really worth it but if you make it micro and you focus just on small improvement day-to-day improvement getting better at your craft it's easier to point to at the end of the season when you're doing evaluations, regardless of how the season went, you can look at a player and say, Hey, at the beginning of the season, you were really struggling to read this play. By the end of the season, you were much better at seeing this, this counter play happening before it was happening. So I get, I totally get where he's coming from on that, from having coached some, some stuff in, in the past too. You got to look for the small victories as well on the, on the front of what success looks like. He was asked also at Big 12 Media Days, like, this team is very transfer portal dependent heading into 2022. So on that note, who's the guy, aside from like Dylan Gabriel, because we know that as Dylan Gabriel goes, this team is going to go in, in 2022. But on the offensive and defensive side of the football, who are the transfer guys that you're thinking are going to be the biggest keys for Oklahoma this season? Uh, I'll start with Jeffrey Johnson. Uh, I think that he is – I remember the first picture I ever saw of him on a visit. He was holding a Gatorade bottle, and it looked like one of the mini bottles in his hand, but it was a, it was a full-size um, Gatorade bottle. And I thought it was a dad. Like, I thought it was somebody's dad that had, was taking his kid on a visit or something like that. Like, he is a grown man. And if you follow him on Twitter, if you don't, I highly recommend following him. He's a great follow. Uh, but he – 
he is very much a vocal leader on this team. And we hear this from the coaches as well. He is a vocal, emotional, mature leader um, for that defense. And, and you think, what has this team kind of been missing? You know, there's a lot of teams that were not afraid to go for it on fourth down against us. Uh, picked up a lot of third and shorts against us. I think picked up a lot of third and longs against us too, but I, 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 I don't want to get too far down that, that, that hole, but um, we need somebody that, that pushes back, that pushes the offensive line over, that stops those short runs, that, that puts a little bit of fear back into opposing offenses. And I think he's a guy that can get that done. We obviously saw what he did to us while he was suited up for Tulane. Uh, so I think he's my number one uh, contributor that, that I'm, I'm mostly he has that, that biggest impact. Uh, but give me Kenai Walker too. Um, Kenai Walker was a guy that Louisville was very, very high on. Uh, he would have been starting for them this year. There's no doubt about it. They went even as far as to hold him out of the bowl game in order to squeeze another year of eligibility out of him. Um, and all we've heard is fantastic body, incredible footwork, um, just just really a, a seamless transition into that role. I think he competes for a starting spot immediately uh, opposite Woody Washington uh, on that other on that other corner. So uh, give me give me those two guys. Uh, really, I mean, uh, if we if we're going offense, uh, it's it's hard not to like JJ Hester. I'm a Tulsa guy, uh, so he's from the 918, from Booker T, um, where the likes of uh, Gentry Williams uh, just came from. So. Gentry and I spoke about it at length at lunch one day when, when JJ was kind of deciding um, where he was going to end up. And he's like, man, he's, he's the, he's the best receiver I've ever seen play in person. He goes, he's just different. He goes, we don't have anybody that can do what he does on a consistent basis. He's got, you know, four, four speed. He's got a big body. Uh, he's, he, he, he had, what's funny is every receiver list that you see right now, uh, whether it's from Farrell or whether it's from, you know, Fox or whatever, Mario Williams is ranked wildly high. Well, if you look at J.J. Hester's numbers, they're extremely similar to what Mario Williams did. And nobody's saying a word about J.J. Hester. So, I don't know, kind of interesting. But, yeah, offensive side, I'd go, I'd go, I'd go, I'd go J.J. Hester. Uh, Tyler Guyton's a name to watch. Obviously, he's impressing a lot of people. And with that size, 6'7", six, 6'8", um, he's, he's, he's fitting a, a great body, uh, that he would be on, on the tackle position. You might be able to move one anymore inside or do whatever you want, but Bill Biedenboe having that flexibility with added starter level talent, uh, it, it can only mean good things. So we could talk all night and probably all morning sooner football it's easy for the three of us, but out of respect for your time and our time, this is. The final question for me, Travis, what are you, you said a little sunshiny. That's okay. That fits with both John and myself. What do you think? Win loss, big 12 championship. What's your expectation right now here today for 2022? Uh, big 12 championship and a playoff berth. I think, I think it's reasonable. I think when people talk predictions, I think the most important thing you can do is look at the schedule because I get, I get annoyed, slightly annoyed when people try and say, oh, well, we're going to do this. I'm like, okay, show me the losses. People were doing this with USC earlier, and I, I don't want to call out OU fans because we're all, we're all friends here. Uh, but 
like people were saying, oh, well, Lincoln's going to get smashed by Oregon in, in his first year. It's like USC doesn't play Oregon in in Lincoln Riley's first year, unless they were to meet, obviously, in the title game. But it's like you have to, like, go game by game, show me the losses. And, I mean, you get OSU and Baylor at home at the back, you know, at the end of the year. So you're gelling by then. I don't think OSU is going to be as good as they were last year. They lost a ton of talent on defense. Um, Jim Knowles, obviously, their, their biggest uh, subtraction on that side of the ball. I don't think you can hand the ball to Spencer Sanders and say, hey, go win us a Big 12 championship. Um, ba- Baylor, I, I, I see I see Venables matching him, matching Aranda on the defensive side of the ball. So if it comes down to whether or not I think Levy can score, I, I like our chances on that. Uh, but I, I truly, when you look at, we have the fourth most talented roster in the country. We have an offensive coordinator that outperformed Lincoln Riley's offenses the last three years. We have a defense, defensive staff that has 13 national title appearances and a a collection of wins. We have a head coach that, you know, I hate to use the adult in the room thing because of the whole Baker Mayfield stuff, but I mean, Brent Edibles feels like the adult in the room. Like he feels like there's accountability. We got Schmitty back. So strength and conditioning plus offense plus um, defense, big plus special teams will be a plus. We actually have somebody coaching that now, so that can only go up. Um, And then your talent levels, going to be leaps and bounds better than everybody you play. So I, I have a, I mean, I understand the arguments that all oh, first year coach, all this, but I'm like, show me where the team is bad or show me who's better than us. And I've yet to come across somebody who can reasonably say that another team is. Yeah. I think I find myself in that same situation. I, I look at the schedule. I'm like, they could legitimately go undefeated. Like there's not an obvious loss on the schedule in my opinion. And, and it's exactly what you mentioned. And we talked about it, I think a couple weeks ago where we talked about like, yes, this is a brand new head coach. This is his first head coaching job, but he's got 30 years of experience. The guy that's running his offense, you mentioned one of the best offensive coordinators in college football. Uh, even Ted roof has had really good success as a defensive coordinator, his assistants, uh, aside from Miguel Chavis, they're all experienced assistants. Like this is not an inexperienced coaching staff in a guy's first year as a head coach, like nobody except for Miguel Chavez is like taking a step up. Everybody's like been an assistant or been a coordinator at several places along the way. And now it's all coming to a head for the Oklahoma Sooners. So I'm right there with you. I think Josh is there too. We, we see big 12 championship in the future for the Oklahoma Sooners in 2022. Travis, man, it's been fantastic having you on the show tonight. Thank you so much for, for joining us on lockdown Sooners. Hey, appreciate you guys having me on. You know, I, I love talking about OU, so I'll, I'll do it at any time. And uh, it, it's always fun to talk to guys that know what they're talking about. No doubt about that. Yeah. And if you haven't checked out the show with him and JP on Wednesday nights on YouTube, make sure you go check that out. Uh, look for the JP and Travis show on YouTube. Indy Sooner is his partner over there. You can follow him on Twitter. You can follow Travis on Twitter at Travis Skull. Make sure you follow Locked On Sooners on Twitter at Locked On Sooners or on Facebook, Locked On Sooners Podcast. Go check out the show on YouTube. We're also free and available on every podcast platform that you could even think of. But until next time, he's Travis. I'm John. Or I'm John. He's Josh. I'm all out of sorts. It's getting late. But thanks so much for joining us. We'll catch you next time. Boomer Sooner.